Here's the thing. Childbirth is gnarly. There are lots of things happening before, during, and after the process that would be blurred out on television because they are downright traumatizing. And you know that phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words? Well, words are pretty powerful as well, and only a couple, especially when the couple are mucus and plug, are worth a visual image that will stay permanently seared on a person's brain. So please proceed accordingly when sharing your own tales of birthing. When you are telling your birth story, please, for the love of all things holy and pure, take your audience into consideration before going too deep with the details. Unless you are sitting in a room full of new mothers and midwives, perhaps leave out the part about the placenta. In fact, Anything involving blood and or tearing can be completely skipped during most retellings. And say it with me now, I, your name here, will not post any birth story details on Facebook that may cause eye and or brain damage to my poor unsuspecting cyber friends, many of whom haven't seen me in years and don't really need to know any details at all about my hoo-ha. I will give you an example of how to proceed correctly. First, I will start with my birth story. I woke up around 3 a.m. with what I thought were perhaps contractions. My due date wasn't for another week, so I wasn't sure it was really happening. Not wanting to get too excited or wake my partner from a peaceful slumber for what could have turned out to be gas, I counted the minutes between each contraction and after about an hour concluded that things were really happening. I rolled over and woke up my partner. I think it's baby day. She instantly popped out of bed and started packing our already packed hospital bag. Somehow, the only way to control her nervousness was by over-preparing for our hospital stay. The dogs were quite annoyed at the early morning distractions. I just lay in the bed and contracted periodically. We grabbed a pen and paper and started marking down how far apart the contractions were and how long they were lasting. This was a great job for Becky because it gave her something to do after nothing else would fit in the bag. We had been told we needed to wait until 5-1-1 before going to the hospital. Contractions, five minutes apart, lasting one minute for one hour. More than anything, we did not want to be the people who got to the hospital early and were sent home because the baby was nowhere near being ready. The hospital was a good half-hour drive away, and we wanted to make that trek only once. The contractions continued pretty steadily for a few hours. At about 6 a.m., I called my parents to let them know we were moving forward. It's baby day! They were very excited, but my mother also cautioned, This could be false labor, so don't get too worked up just yet. Thanks, Mom. I texted my friends to let them know what was going on. Chipper Jen also warned that it could be false labor. Around 7 a.m., my contractions leveled off. They were no longer consistent, and I was not amused. I was sitting on the damn birthing ball in the living room, ready for this show to get on the road, and the show had all but stopped. Since I had been up for too many hours already, I decided I was done with this nonsense and was going back to bed. Becky was excited that she had more time to finish up some last-minute projects she had planned for the week before the due date. She called her brother over to the house, and they began doing random home improvement projects to the baby's room. 
which seems like a fantastic way to deal with a possible childbirth happening in the next room. When I woke up from my nap around 10 a.m., I didn't even bother to time the contractions I was having. I was still pissed at the false alarm from earlier and was convinced that I was just having a bunch of false labor pains. Jan and my mom tried to comfort me via phone and text messaging, letting me know my body would get there when it was ready. They believed I was having contractions, but it was widely believed, by myself as well, that my extremely low tolerance for pain was making me a bit dramatic, and this was all just a false alarm. Then things got a little more serious. I got up and went to the bathroom and found what I had to assume was the mucus plug, because it definitely lived up to its very descriptive name. I got back into bed and texted Jen, who told me you can lose your mucus plug days or weeks before you actually deliver. So I tried.